It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. It is a Tuesday, and so glad to have you in here with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Lots of stuff to talk about, as always. Of course, President uh, addressed the nation on some farming issues. We'll hear more about that as we go. But let's check in, first of all, with Susan Littlefield, see what's going on in her world. Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. Rebel's going to kick it all off here at 1219 as a virtual 4-H public speaking contest are happening all across the state. And she'll speak with Tanya Crawford as she talks about the virtual public speaking contest that took place in both Polk and York counties. Then at 12, Lucky joins us as he and I talk about the Nebraska Pork Cares and the brainchild that he had to help out not only pork producers, but for those that need food on their table. And then I'll wrap it up at 117 with Nelson Gatos. Nelson is with the American Association of Meat Processors as he talks about the role the small and medium-sized butchers have in the times we're in. That's a look at the midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. And, of course, the uh, the miniseries Last Dance just finished. And I was thinking about this, and so I wanted to put you on the spot. You're building an a, a all-time great team. You've already got Michael. Okay. okay. Who's your second pick? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Ooh, that's that's the most good. unstoppable offensive move there ever was. Yep. The skyhook. It, in some reason, he's still kind of underrated, underappreciated. I think a lot of that was his personality at the okay. time, and then once he got out of basketball, and he's done some very good things yeah. and some cool things, but he's, he, he does not have an outgoing personality like a Michael Jordan or a Magic Johnson. True. So, But Kareem was Kareem, but... Who's your second pick? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that, too. I, I was curious about uh, a Michael Jordan, Larry Bird sort of thing. But, gosh, you need a big guy in Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, something like that. Yeah. But Kareem's an awful good pick. You're not, you're not going with LeBron James? I really am not. Okay. Nor, nor did you, <laughs> no, strangely no. enough. I, I understand that. So, but, anyway. but if he's there with the third pick, I'm, I'm considering Yeah, Yeah, that if, if he hangs around, I'll take it. But you and I are each 45 and above. Right. We have this conversation with someone who's 15 years younger than us. They it's, see it totally in a different way. It's really different. Uh, what a miniseries, though. So, anyway. uh, yeah, what are we going to do on Sunday nights now? I know. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> but it was great stuff, and yeah. it, uh, it lived up to the hype. Also coming up in sports, we will talk to UNK volleyball coach Rick Squires. The Lopers, just like everyone else, kind of just had things put on pause. Just kind of in a holding pattern here, waiting to hear if there's something to look forward to later on in the year, and we'll get uh, Coach Squires' thoughts on that. Good thoughts. All right, very good. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks uh, kind of uh, mid-range right now. Stocks are mixed and trading on Wall Street. Uh, day after the market had its biggest jump in more than... Five weeks. Banks were posting the biggest losses in the early going, while tech companies kept up their winning streak. U.S. home building plunged in April, and uh, we'll have a few figure figures about that. Walmart became a lifeline to millions of people as the coronavirus spread. Its profits and sales surged during the fiscal first quarter, and a company in Baltimore has created bumper tables to keep people six feet apart. So. Good luck with that. Uh, We'll see how those sell. (laughs) Great. That's all coming up on Midday.
Winter wheat continues to grow and spring wheat is looking to go in the field. Join us every Wednesday at 417 for the Plansky Pure Winter Wheat Wednesday. We'll find out from the folks at Plansky Seed how the wheat crop is doing as we go from Texas all the way to Nebraska to check in with the weekly growth of the crop. With this year's winter wheat tour canceled due to COVID-19, it's a way to keep you up to date on how the crop for winter wheat is maturing. That's 417 Wednesdays on KRVN. Time for us to take a look at our weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with me now and uh, pretty nice day. We're not going to see the temperatures quite get as hot as we maybe talked about last week, but still. Nice. Yeah, pretty nice this week yeah. on average to slightly above average. Uh, still some persistent clouds yeah. in the eastern third of Nebraska and Kansas, or maybe about the eastern half of Nebraska and the eastern third of Kansas. And it's all thanks to kind of being in a stuck pattern here. We're kind of underneath the dome of high pressure in the central plains, at least most of the central plains, but stuck in a pattern where there's low pressure that's not moving off oh. towards the east. Right now it's centered over southern Indiana, and it keeps spilling those clouds back into central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas, while lots of sunshine continues as you head farther to well, the west. I don't know what they're doing on the front range right now, but good grief, 84 degrees already in Denver, 80 yes. in the spring, so it's warm there. <laughs> yeah, that dome of high pressure right overhead there, and definitely warming up quickly. But uh, all in all, pretty good conditions across the area. Most of the clouds right now along and east of a line from about O'Neill down to Brooklyn. Broken Bow, Lexington, Holdridge, and then Phillipsburg, Kansas, and then points off to the east. Then as you head to the west, a lot more sunshine, and that's where the temperatures are also much warmer in the upper 50s to low 60s, more so in the mid to upper 50s as you head into central and east areas of Nebraska. So not too much of a big disparity in the temperatures as uh, across the area, with most of us in the upper 50s to low 60s, as you could say. Upper 60s to around 70, though, right over northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. Now, both today and tomorrow would be seasonal to slightly warmer than average with that ridge of high pressure gradually moving overhead with the approach of low pressure. Thunderstorm chances return to western Nebraska by tomorrow afternoon, then spread east tomorrow night. Storms firing during the peaking end of the day tomorrow in the western part of Nebraska could be on the severe side as that area of low pressure tracks east Thursday through Thursday night. Rain and thunderstorms very likely region-wide. Rate totals, especially in central areas of Nebraska and Kansas, expected to be the highest and could range as much as three-quarters of an inch to an inch and three-quarters. We do have that rainfall forecast map on our Facebook page for KRVN. And on Thursday, we're going to get a lot of rain, but also the main severe threat going to be over southwest Kansas. Off and on thunderstorms remain possible Friday through Memorial Day as we see waves of low pressure track across southern Kansas. The most likely time for some thunderstorms over the holiday weekend. Currently on Saturday night, with the southwest flow Friday and Saturday, our temperatures will be warmer than normal. Then temperatures cool back to more seasonal levels for Sunday and Memorial Day with the passage of a cold front. Those rain chances off and on as we head towards Friday through Memorial Day, but right now not expecting a complete washout for your holiday plans that may be outside. Any cool down not expected to last long. Mostly above normal temperatures are forecast for Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through the first of next month. In late May, our daytime highs in central Nebraska are usually in the mid to upper 70s with average overnight lows in the low 50s. 
The outlook starts with above normal rainfall early next week in Nebraska and Kansas. The outlook trends near normal to below normal rainfall late next week through the 1st of June. Soil temperatures at 7 this morning and 4 inches down in all of Nebraska and pretty much all of Kansas. In the low to mid-50s, the soil temperatures closer to around 60 over southwest Kansas. Key weather factors moving the markets include more rain across the central U.S. and drier weather for crop areas in western Europe. As the week progresses, rain and locally severe thunderstorms will erupt across the nation's midsection. Five-day rain totals could reach one to three inches across the central and southern plains. Heavier totals will be found in the Ohio Valley with plenty of delays and potential flooding. The multiple rounds in the uh, multiple rounds of rain in the northern plains through Sunday will benefit emerging crops, but also lead to the possibility of additional planting delays and maybe prevented planting. The rain in the southern plains tomorrow night through Sunday will even include drier areas and offer moisture for developing wheat. In Western Europe, the crop areas, including France and Germany, becoming dry right now in the next week to 10 days, offering only light rain in their forecasts. The below normal totals and the drier trend will be unfavorable for the wheat there. Well, we heard yesterday the crop progress and 91% of the corn is in the ground, and so some rain, uh, obviously that's going to help that out, and soybeans way ahead of schedule. Exactly. We're going to get some needed rain here, most likely in central areas on Thursday, and then kind of some heating for Friday and Saturday, really tap into that moisture, and uh, things should be off to the races. All right. Knock, <laughs> knock on wood here. Something exactly. We can find some. All right. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Extension in Polk in York County is providing youth with an exciting virtual opportunity. I'm visiting with Extension educator Tanya Crawford about the Polk in York County virtual public speaking contest. Tanya, tell us a little bit about the contest and what it will look like in this format. Well, so the 4-H public speaking contest and the PSA contest, um, they will be basically essentially the same thing as if we were to meet in person, but um, people are doing it at home, I guess. We're going to run it through Zoom, and the kids will all be live, so we are not pre-recording the speeches. They'll they'll actually be live, and they will will have a judge. They will give their speech to the judge, and they will just, I guess it's just like a normal a normal contest, but they'll be at their house in their home. <laughs> what are the guidelines that the youth are given for their speeches? So it depends on their age that they're in. So um, we our speech contest runs from, um, we have juniors, anyways, ages eight, and then we have intermediates, and then we have your seniors. And so depending on their age, that will be the length of their speech. So um, intermediate or juniors do a speech between one to three minutes. Intermediates are three to five and seniors are five to eight minutes tell me a little bit more about the psa competition okay so the psa competition is a public service announcement and all youth are so um it's it's 60 seconds in length and they pre-record it and so what they need to do is they they use um, some sort of theme and this year the the state theme is um, inspire kids to do so they need to develop a public service announcement around that type of theme and then some, uh, uh, they use it to promote 4-H um, to be generally to be anywhere in Nebraska. So, um, and then at the end, and then they also have to include a 10-second tagline that says, "Learn more about Nebraska Extension um, 4-H Youth Development Program at 4-H.unl.edu." So there's some specifics that they have to put in there. Um, but yeah, they they record it. They can add they can add sound effects if they want. They can use any sort of 
public domain music if they want, as long as it's not copy, um, you know, it's copyrighted or it's not copyrighted. <laughs> How will the participants receive feedback and their placings after the event? So what we are going to do is we're actually having the judges fill out a, a fillable PDF, and so they will actually be judging them right as they go. And then for um, we're going to be announcing the winners um, in York County. We're going to be announcing the winners on Facebook Live the following day. So Friday at noon, we will actually be um, announcing on Facebook, and then we will mail out their um, their ribbons and their critique forms to them after the contest is over. 4-H public speaking helps many youth develop their public speaking skills and gets them comfortable presenting in front of a crowd. Talk about the growth you've observed in youth who have participated in public speaking before. That is the most exciting part of the public speaking contest for me is watching these kids. We actually allow them to start as what's called Clover Kids. And Clover Kids is a non-competitive, and um, that's for kids ages 5 to 7. And last year, we actually had a kid sing, like, rap a song. (laughs) So when you watch them as Clover kids, just get up there and just really put themselves out there and and get rid of that nervousness. When they actually become a a 4-H age, you watch them. They're not as nervous because they've done it before, and they're not, they're not, they know kind of what what the routine is, and they're, they, um, they just really flourish. The contest will be held via Zoom this Thursday, May 21st at 7 p.m. Registrations will still be accepted until 5 p.m. on Tuesday the 19th. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Rebel Seclocha on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, college athletic programs continue to play the waiting game for UNK head volleyball coach Rick Squires. He hopes eventually they'll know more about their future. You'd like to be doing something. It feels like you should be doing something. It feels like you should be maybe getting people information, but until you really know what's going to happen, it's hard to say, hey, here's the game plan. Here's when we report. Here's what the schedule looks like. I mean, it's just... uh, kind of a juggling act to, you know, maintain some some optimism and organization. Squires adds there is hope. Fall sports will be pulled off without too many interruptions. Former Nebraska walk-on offensive lineman A.J. Forbes has found a new school. Last night he announced on Twitter that he plans to transfer to Montana. The U.S. Open won't have a qualifying for the first time since 1924. Chalk that up to the pandemic that had already postponed the event from June to September. Qualifying is a hallmark of this event. The USGA likes to point out that roughly half of the 156-man field has to go through some form of qualifying just to make it. Not this year. Still to be determined is how the exemptions are created for the rest of the players. Among those not already exempt is Phil Mickelson, who's already said he will not ask for an invitation. Sneakers worn by Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Scottie Pippen while they played for the Dream Team are being auctioned off. The sneakers, each signed by the Hall of Famer, are part of the Legends 2020 Spring Classic auction that runs through June 19th. Now, a portion of the proceeds from the sale of the sneakers will benefit COVID relief. Jordan, Johnson, and Pippen wore the sneakers during the Tournament of Americas, which the U.S. team won to qualify for the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. The Americans, of course, went on to win gold there in the first Olympics to feature NBA players. And governors around the country are warming to the idea of the return of professional sports to their states with two caveats. 
continued progress against the virus and no spectators in the stands. The heads of California, Texas, New York, and Pennsylvania spoke yesterday about the return of professional sports to their states, possibly as soon as next month. Florida and Arizona earlier this month gave the go-ahead for professional sports to return. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Speaker of the Legislature Jim Shear announced May 18th that he will call state senators back into session on July 20th. Scheer suspended the 2020 legislative session indefinitely in March due to public health concerns regarding the coronavirus. During his daily coronavirus news conference, Governor Pete Ricketts was asked what he thinks lawmakers should concentrate on when they return. Property tax relief, that's a big one. we got to get that done. And then the incentive bill, I think those both have to go together to be able to get the votes that we need to be able to pass both of those, or either one of those for that matter. So I think they should focus on property tax relief and getting the incentive bill passed. In his announcement, Shears said the decision to resume was based on the belief that Nebraska will have reached the peak of COVID-19 cases by that time and will not have experienced a resurgence in cases following the loosening of restrictions on businesses and social gatherings. Shears says he reserves the right to alter the reconvening session calendar should it appear best to do so. Under the new calendar, lawmakers are scheduled to complete their work for the session on August 13th. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts is warning that the coronavirus pandemic will likely lead to state budget cuts and force lawmakers to water down two of his biggest priorities, including the previously mentioned property tax bill for farmers and homeowners and the new business incentive package. Chris Hove, who started his banking career in Minden, was recently elected chairman of the Nebraska Bankers Association Board of Directors. He is president and CEO of Nebraska Bank of Commerce in Lincoln. Hove began his career in banking more than 35 years ago at Minden Exchange Bank and Trust Company in Minden by filing numerous part-time positions from bookkeeping and check sorting to janitorial duties. Since that time, he has gained banking experience in compliance, consumer, and commercial banking at numerous Nebraska banks, including Platte Valley State Bank of Kearney. Hove joined Nebraska Bank of Commerce in 2010 as executive vice president and senior loan officer. Hove was promoted to his current role as president and CEO in 2011. The University of Nebraska at Kearney's nonprofit food pantry recently partnered with KRVN Radio and UNK Athletics to help increase donations from the depleted resources due to COVID-19. Luisa Levis, director of the Big Blue Cupboard, spoke on the results from the event. In a band of four hours, we were able to fill up, I think, three pickup trucks, including uh, the Riverado with uh, grocery items to fill our pantry. And in that same four-hour span, we had over 600 items donated. The Big Blue Cupboard has continued to support food insecure students and community members of UNK throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. For more news anytime, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Pork producers helping to pass the plate of pork chops, literally. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska pork producers are coming together for Nebraska's Pork Cares campaign. 
pork is being processed and donated to the Lincoln Food Bank and distributed across 17 counties in southeast Nebraska just to start. The first set of hogs were delivered yesterday thanks to Newhorner Brothers of Albion. They contributed 12 pigs to the University of Nebraska's Lawful Meat Lab. There, they're collaborating with the project. And the idea spearheaded by one Platte County pork producer, Bill Lucky. He farms with his family just outside of Columbus. Well, actually, it started just uh, about 10 days ago. So this process uh, really went fast. I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, on the East Coast, and we were talking about the situation that we're in. And he was wondering about the meat labs at the different universities, if they were doing anything. And all of a sudden, it sort of dawned on us, hey, maybe they could take some pigs and help the food banks out and help producers out. And that's sort of where it got started. Um, plus, Benny Moat with the university, he also had the idea. When I called him about it, he said, you know, we were just talking about something like that yesterday. So between the two of us talking to people at the university and with pork producers, why it sort of snowballed and took off. And I was surprised to get pigs in this quick, you know, this quickly into the uh, the meat lab to get this done so they're excited to help and uh i think as pork producers we're excited to help also let's talk about the pigs that you guys dropped off or that were dropped off this morning at the university how big were they and how many were brought in well we brought in 12 and these pigs were donated and they weren't the biggest ones in the world um we thought we'd have a little bit bigger ones but uh they, they were just right for harvesting and uh, we're grateful to the uh, producer Warner farms for donating those pigs uh, to us this morning and you guys are really reaching out um to help those in need and i know th- my understanding is they're going to be cut into family packs so it'll it'll go a long way to help out some great families oh yeah we uh well we're, we're figuring it up this morning at the meat lab how many uh families this would be able to to help out and you know it's sort of upwards of 500 families for a meal you know so it'll it'll be good to uh see this all come together and uh help benefit those that are in need right now, especially this time with this uh, COVID-19 going around. Uh, everyone has some unique needs, and, I, and this is an opportunity for pork producers and for the university to work together and fill some of those needs. Well, hats off to you guys as pork producers because we know you have struggled and, and continue to struggle during this time, and it just shows the big hearts that those in ag have to, to reach out and help those in need. Well, thanks a lot, Susan, and we're... Uh, basically want to uh, continue this we don't want this to be a one and done type of a thing there's going to be some cost with, with this whole program and uh, hopefully we can get some donations maybe to cover some of the processing costs and travel and things like that that has to uh, happen with when anything like this takes place and of course then we just ask our, our listeners out there to to help out in any way they can if they want to make a donation my understanding is right now to contact the pork producers office to, to be able to make that happen yes we're trying to uh, get some other special arrangements made so it'll be a little quicker and a little easier and that's what we're working on right now like i said this this came up rather quick um, I'm glad that uh, everybody was able to re- react as fast as they were. That's, that shows a, a great uh, cooperation and a great need for this uh, type of a program. On a side note, I understand that you guys have been able to uh, to move some of your hogs, and, and they've been going out to, to families all across the U.S. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a real trip these last couple of weekends. We've been uh, 
busy loading pigs and uh, you know working with different uh, consumers on how to process a pig, things like that. So I think it's a learning process for a lot of people to experience how to butcher a pig, and uh, it's surprising how things can grow from a simple Facebook post uh how many times it can be shared and how many phone calls i've gotten phone calls from washington state alabama comments from florida south carolina uh the east coast um people just wanting pigs and trying to find producers in their area to to get them you know some some meat but uh it's been a lot of fun and had some great conversations with a lot of people across the, the whole country who would ever thought something positive would have come out of all of this COVID to be able to put that tie even closer together between that consumer and the producer? Mm-hmm. It's There's a definite uh, want to connect, and a lot of producers said they'll be back uh, to, to get more pigs later on. But uh, there is a desire to understand the food system a little bit, uh, a little bit better by everyone. And that's my conversation with Nebraska pork producer Bill Lucky. He's a part of the Nebraska Pork Cares campaign that is underway right now. Again, they are going to do roughly 12 pigs a week through the University of Nebraska's Lawful Meat Lab. Thanks to the pork producers who have already donated and the pork producers that will continue to donate. If you would like to help cover some of the costs of the processing, we encourage you to contact the Nebraska pork producers. You can find them on Facebook. I'm Susan Littlefield, Bro Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks are mixed in trading on Wall Street a day after the market had its biggest jump in more than five weeks. Banks were posting the biggest losses in the early going, while technology companies kept up their winning streak. Earnings reports from major retailers showed how differently those companies are faring during the coronavirus pandemic. U.S. home building plunged again in April, taken down by economic fallout from the coronavirus pandemic. The Commerce Department saying that groundbreakings plummeted 30.2% last month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 891000 Construction of single-family homes dropped 25.4% to an annual rate of 650000 Walmart became a lifeline to millions of people as the coronavirus spread, and its profit and sales surged during the fiscal first quarter, topping almost all expectations. Online sales jumped 74%, fueled by a rush on canned foods, paper towels, and other supplies as people sheltered in place. The company said that same-store sales at its U.S. namesake stores surged 10%, but costs soared. The company spent $900 million in additional compensation for workers who manned checkout lines and kept goods flowing at warehouses. Meanwhile, the cost of the spreading coronavirus pandemic dragged on profits early in the year at Home Depot. The world's biggest home improvement chain upped compensation for employees, extended dependent care benefits, and waived related co-pays. That set Home Depot back by $850 million in pre-tax expenses, or about $0.60 per share. A company in Baltimore has created bumper tables designed to keep people six feet from each other while eating and talking in social settings amid the coronavirus pandemic. The inflated tube tables created by Revolution Event Design and Production were debuted at a restaurant in Ocean City, Maryland on Saturday. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan.
There's a lot of pressure out there for small and medium-sized butchers as they try to meet the demand of the consumer and help out the producer as well. One organization is helping them out. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Nelson Gatos is with the American Association of Meat Processors. He talks about his organization's role during COVID-19. Primarily, most of the information we have for our association is um, more or less locked in with our, our membership login. But we have on our homepage a huge uh, COVID-19 resource page where myself... Um, our communications manager, Diana, and then our executive director, Chris Young, um, we've all worked uh, to kind of gather as much information as we can, everything from the CDC to what USDA is putting out, OSHA, and just trying to get it, get it all under one tent and make that all available to our, our members. And in addition to that, our executive director, Chris Young, has uh, written a lot of articles um, more or less kind of summarizing up uh, what it means for their business. You know, these new regulations coming out, new CDC guidelines, everything like that. So really trying to get all the information and resources in one place for our membership to view and also um, boiling boiling it down to what it means and what actions they can or need to take in order to, um, you know, for proper social distancing and, these small and, and medium-sized meat processors as they kind of pick up the pace uh, on their processing in their facilities? Um, a lot are concerned about, you know, the protection of themselves and their employees. But um, putting that aside, um, a lot of them, you know, not to put a, a, just trying to put a positive spin on all this, but a lot of them are seeing business that they haven't seen in years. So a lot of them are comparing it to, you know, this is more more busy than their, you know, Christmas time or Easter time of year. It's got to be kind of a, I don't want to say a relief, but a, an exciting time for them in the sense that consumers are suddenly maybe refinding them and, and mm-hmm. producers That's are absolutely. refinding them as well. It is. Um, there's been, you know, we, we advocate a lot of for for the smaller businesses here at the association and for the smaller meat processors and just to kind of see how people's needs and uh, everything has sort of shifted here with this pandemic. Um, it's really, really brought to light the need for the, the smaller local butchers, not just the large nationwide, worldwide companies. Because as we've seen, um, when they run into trouble, um, the industry sort of has a, and I'm sure you've, You've heard about this with, you know, kind of that bottleneck shape of going from the ranchers and the, the farmers to the producers and then back to, into commerce. So having having an alternative to that bottleneck in some areas has really alleviated a lot of the, um, the need for resources and the need for meat and poultry and those sorts of uh, supplies. What's the best way for somebody to find out more information and, and become a member of your organization? Sure. Um, I'd say the easiest way would be go to AMP's website, um, uh, www.aamp.com. Um, like there, you can access our COVID-19 resources page right off the main website. That's my conversation with Nelson Gatos. He's with the American Association of Meat Processors. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Mm-hmm. 
Clay Patton on the World Radio Network talking out with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, crop progress out yesterday afternoon. President Trump making a speech on farmer aid today. But realistically, throughout the trade, corn, Chicago wheat higher, soybeans, Kansas City wheat lower, and we really didn't break that pattern. No, really, really slow day. I mean, I think 325 is going to be the near-term hurdle for corn. Um, obviously hitting some sales there. I, I'm, on one hand, I really want to, I really think, you know, you're looking at gasoline, uh, the improved margins for, for ethanol plants, is, it, it's improving. You know, I mean, it's not great, but, um, you know, with gasoline prices now doubled from where they were just a month ago, and, you know, really there's a gap of at 130, I think we'll probably see. That's still really cheap um, as the world comes back on. The fact that corn can't really get moving is a bad sign. I'm, not optimistic that we're gonna, or not pessimistic that we're gonna see lows very soon. I just think the market's probably gonna chop for six weeks um, until uh, um, the first of the month. So if you look at the big years we've had, when we haven't had spring rallies from planting, they've come after the first. So it's twenty on eighty three it did it, uh, two thousand ten it did it, uh, two thousand eight it did it, and two thousand twelve it did it. Where when the market rallied, it rallied post first first of the, of the month of July. So. Short term here, I think, you know, 325, 330 is going to offer some resistance for corn. Obviously, beans, you know, don't really have a whole lot of life here either um, until some weather problems set. And it just doesn't look like it's going to happen here given how much moisture we've gotten, at least this way, the last couple of weeks. In this, this is kind of slowing down the overall volatility of the markets. Is this a good time maybe to think about if you wanted to secure some puts or something along those lines to maybe look into that with low volatility? Oh, maybe. I think you're better off waiting. If you're going to sell, I think, you know, middle part of July is, is really when you're looking to do it. I, I think short-term, you know, if you want to get deep into it, I think guys are selling short-term call options that's over the next two months, and then uh, they're going to be buying longer-term premium, say, at the September time frame, just due to the fact that, you know, the problems aren't going to show up here in the, in the very near term. There just isn't enough demand, I think, to get the price price moving. There's some short covering that can happen, and that'll all come off weather, but July really feels to me like more of the time frame. Uh, once we get really hot here quickly and, and, and turn the weather off, uh, the, you know, the areas that are dry are now North Dakota, um, or not North Dakota, I'm sorry, uh, you know, west, west into Colorado and, um, you know, northern Kansas. So it's not really, I know you guys are dry, but you're irrigated. I think we're really more looking center state of Iowa over to the eastern side. And right now, there isn't really anything there that you can really write, write, write down as far as anything that's going to uh, lose yield. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Market in Chicago. And that wraps up today's midday program here on KRVN. If you missed any of our interviews or segments and you want to re-listen to them, listen to our midday podcast available at krvn.com or subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. Our midday podcast is brought to you by Deveni Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.